We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Abner Mayers is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mayers, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, sports, music, culture, and family life, and being a husband and a girl dad. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mayers wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. Welcome to episode 221 of the Barcelona Podcast, home to the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dean Hilton, and I am again joined by Frances Tomas, Barca columnist featured on ESPN, The Guardian, you name it. And while Barca is in his blood, Lakers is sometimes on his chest. So for that, Frances, I know it's been a few days, but congrats on your Los Angeles Lakers winning the NBA title. Hola, Cules. Yeah, it was good to see that the Lakers were playing again um, in the finals first, obviously after so many years of not doing so. No, and no, then give me a break. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They finally winning, so it was it was good. Obviously, I couldn't watch all the games because of the time the time that the game starts. I'm in the Middle East, so really that's like three in the morning, and that's that's no fun at that time. But no, I'm I'm really happy about that. Um, obviously, hopefully, Barca can continue into you know the winning ways that they have had in recent years, and we don't have to wait that long, or as long as the Lakers did, so that we can lift trophies again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay. So here's the thing. I mean, I am a Barcelona fan. I may not be a Laker fan, but I do laugh when people say we've waited a lifetime for Barcelona champion, uh, Champions League or when we've waited a, li- the, waited a lifetime for a Lakers NBA title because it was not too, not that long ago. I mean, Marc Gasol is still playing and Paul Gasol la- won the last Lakers championship for them. Ten, well, Kobe did a little bit more. Well, but Paul that's Gasol what happens when you support a team that yeah. wins 17 titles. I know, I know. The most I know. in history. And that's what happens when you support Barca, who, you know, in the last 30 years, we've been incredible. But, you know, I think good choice. If you're listening to this <laughs> podcast, good choice of team. We win quite often. We haven't won recent, recent, recently as such, especially one of the bigger titles. So hopefully we can get back to that soon. Yeah, and I think the final point I want to make here, I mean, uh, you and I just a little bit before we get to La Ronda, I just want to have a little fun. So I, I know this is a Barcelona podcast, but it is the international break and we are both huge basketball fans. So let's take a quick moment here before we hit La Ronda. Frances, we are so tired of the Messi-Ronaldo debate, a debate we will again hear more of with Juventus coming up this month. But in these days after the Lakers winning, it's nothing but LeBron and Jordan goat talk, of course. And honestly, I view LeBron the same way I view Messi here. I consider myself quite fortunate to have seen the latter years of Jordan, but then grow up and get to see the entire careers of both LeBron and Messi. And what they're doing, and this is kind of just the one takeaway really more than anything I have from the Lakers title, is what they're doing. Uh, I mean, Messi's a little bit younger too. It's still insane at the age of which particularly LeBron is at 35. And he's about to be 36. So not really a question for you, but almost for a reminder for myself that I cannot take these guys for granted when we watch them. I mean, sometimes I just take the notes and analyze the pick and rolls and defensive rotations and whatever I'm doing. Well, that's for basketball. I don't really take notes, but for obviously Barca, I'm always taking notes and whatever it is I'm doing. But 
And I know I'm, I'm guilty of not stopping and smelling the roses sometimes and just, you know, really just putting myself into this play, this play, this play. But at least for basketball, it's a lot easier for me to just try and shut off that part of my brain and enjoy the spectacle. Though I know that experience is different because of your rooting interest. But I think, again, I my big takeaway from the Lakers is that I cannot take LeBron and Messi for granted again just because, not that I do all the time, but what they do and how long they've been doing it is incredible to think that they've been doing it since for more than 15 years now, we've got to enjoy guys who are arguably the greatest and to ever done it in the sports. And the fact that we're having an argument, again, is tired when you're comparing them to other people. But what they're doing is incredible. I agree. I agree. I think that the fact that sports science and, you know, basically these fantastic players becoming athletes and being so professional about their lives, not just on the field and on the court, but off it is, is something that we need, we need to take as a takeaway for, you know, players in the next generations. We may never have a Cristiano Ronaldo or a Messi or a LeBron or a Jordan again. But if you take leaves out of their books, then it is likely that they will be. So, you know, let's be grateful for what we have, but let's be optimistic about the future as well. Yeah, for sure. So as if we needed another transition, though, rumors are that Marcus Gasol former Toronto Raptor champion, is considering a move to Spain to FC Barcelona to join Nikola Mirotic and a squad that I wouldn't say is in the elite class of European basketball, but it is in that next tier of really good teams. And El Clasico is also this month for them too. And I think Gasol, while he won't come over for that match, could be the piece that I think puts FC Barcelona over in that category as well. So that'll be fun to see. And speaking of FC Barcelona, though, we've got a ton of listener questions about Yes, the first team, but a little bit of other stuff as well. So we're going to start hitting the topics on the first team with a question or questions from Minor and Rohit, considering Usmane Dembele, who we didn't really talk to about him too much. I didn't talk to him with the Meske Un podcast crew last week, so thanks to them, as well as last week with you. So we're going to talk a little Usmane Dembele. Minor asks, with Ansu most likely starting most games and several other attacking options on the bench. How much should we expect from Dembélé to play this season? And then Rohit asks, if we don't see enough of Dembélé until the winter, should we then try to sell him for, and I'm going to add this to Rohit's question, for a reduced price in the winter transfer? If the new board comes in, then what do you think they will want to do with Dembélé? So there's three different questions there, but Frances, I'll give you your pick of the litter there. Any of those three questions that jump out to you, you can give an answer to. Well, all I would say is that Dembélé is a fantastic player that we have been waiting for for three years. So we don't really know if he's still a fantastic player. We know that he's a player that was um, one of the brightest sparks in, in world football, really. Um, that's why we signed him for that much money. That's why we you know, negotiated with Borussia Dortmund and you know, until the very, very late days of the closing of the market and uh, accelerate three years forward. He's been sitting in the sidelines for, for all that time. Um, he has been training even during the international break. Um, there was reports in the media that he did that voluntarily. There's been other reports in the media today saying that actually Kuman made him do it. It doesn't quite matter why he went training. I think it does to some people, but to me it doesn't. The important thing is that he continues to be healthy and he continues to go into training and to take every step to be even healthier moving forward. Um, as we mentioned last time, and I strongly recommend that you go back to the previous podcast if you didn't hear it, um, it is all about Ansu Fati at the moment. You know, he's a sensation. He's 17. He's fit. He's hungry. But as you mentioned, Dembele is also one of our key players and uh, he needs to do some growth, um, not necessarily in age. Unfortunately, three years have already gone by since he joined us. But Dembele has to wait now. He has to prove that he can start matches. And when he does get any playing time, he needs to impress. And uh, that's the situation that he's put himself into. If he, you know, not being unfortunate with injuries all of those years ago, maybe it would be a, a far different story. I do see Dembele coming as a super sub. I think that he's got the skills to do that. I think he can unbalance matches. I think he can bring you something different that the vast majority of players in the squad cannot give you. But in, you know, what he needs to do is prove it. He needs to go out there. He needs to associate with those around him. He needs to make sure that when he's got the chance to run into space and actually unbalance, then he needs to do that. Um, he's a player that is really good at getting to the byline, but he's also a player that is, in my opinion, much more influential when cutting through, especially diagonal, diagonally towards the middle when he's conducting. So I think he's got a lot of skills, but obviously we haven't seen them for a, quite a while. 
Um, Kuman hasn't trusted him as a starter, and I think that the matches that are coming, especially against Getafe, for example, and our first one in the Champions League against Ferenc Varos could be a good opportunity for Dembélé to shine. But, you know, especially with Ansu Fati having played with Spain and uh, coming back from the break. So let's see what happens. Yeah, I want to add actually a quick thing. I, I was listening to another unrelated to Barca podcast this week, and they were bringing up that if we look at the... Dembele deal in particular from Dortmund, we have to think of it from even a Dortmund perspective for a moment because we always think it through the inflated price of Barca using that Neymar money on Coutinho and Dembele and how Dortmund was able to, because Barca were so desperate, to get the number that they did out. And the one thing I will say is, and this again is not a defense of Bartomeu at all, because they were scrambling and the mess of Neymar is what kind of led to all that happening. But Barcelona is not the only team that Dortmund has wound up winning negotiations, if you will, against. Now, Dortmund is a team fantastic in the world at finding talent, buying it cheap, and then selling it for you know insane amounts. I mean, we know that Jaden Sancho and Erlen Holland are next in line in that queue. And when it comes to Dembele, that was that situation where Dortmund sat down at the negotiation table. Barca weren't going to leave until they got their man, so Dortmund continued to sit with them. But as I said, it wasn't just about Barca. Dortmund have done this to multiple teams. They wait out and they wait out and they know that the team that's trying to buy that player wants that player. And so they're patient with it. And I think it's more, it says more about what Dortmund can do in the transfer windows in their negotiations than I think the fact that Barca is just another one of those, we'll say super clubs. And Dortmund is a super club themselves, but one other one of those super clubs that, that buys other talent in this way. And so they got beat there. Then I want to add also to Rohit's question about what is the new board going to do with Dembele? And I was I really was thinking about this when I was going through the, the squad and thinking that, well, Coleman and the manager does have a say with the players as well. But when you look at when new presidents come in, sometimes they have an idea and sometimes those new boards have an idea for what kind of transfer activity and what kind of players might suit the club as well. And they have a little say in there. And we think that a new board coming in that they're going to like and want the same players that we want and believe are going to do well because I think most Kool-Aids would say that yes some are completely out on Demelay because of the injuries and they still bring up his price tag but I think when it does come to injuries yeah there's a worry there it continues to be a worry and you had a great point that it's been three years really since we saw the Dembele that arrived and so he might honestly not be that player anymore if he can't even play 90 minutes anymore at, the po- at this point at the age of 23. But t- all that said, this board might say, you know, we're not a big fan of Dembele and we think there might be more value out there for a younger talent. And Dembele is going to, we can at least try to sell him for more realistically what he's worth or what he might even, again, back then when Barcelona bought him from Dortmund, he was probably a 40 to 60 million euro player that Dortmund was able to get double out of because of the desperation of Barca. So Dembele might still be worth that amount just because, again, he's still a World Cup winner in 2018. He still plays for FC Barcelona. And you see with the ball at his feet, the special things, as you said, that he can do. So the only thing, again, is a reminder that the board, a new board, might not like the same players that we do as a fan base. So that's, I think, where I'll just kind of leave it there because we have a quick one from Dirk before we hit the ad break, Frances. One word from you here. It's been discussed ad nauseum, but still, Dembele, Coutinho, Griezmann, the three big signings that have been made for the last few seasons. Give me one name. Who do you think is the most likely to succeed under Coleman? I'm not even going to give you a why. Just pick a name. Coutinho. I think we have to agree. I say Coutinho, but I really don't want to. So instead of considering and mulling over why, I didn't want to say that. Let's hit the ad break. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. And that's American football. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. 
From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now we got a question from Sigborn. We go from the attack all the way back to the in-between the, the net. What are your thoughts on the rumors that Ter Stegen demands to be the highest paid goalkeeper in the world? Can we afford losing him and can we afford keeping him? Yes and yes and yes, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ter Stegen is a fantastic goalkeeper. Um, he's been one of the reasons why Barca have been relatively successful, or put it this way, let's flip it. Um, hasn't been as terrible as you know the managers that we've had probably suggest we should have been. Ter Stegen is one of our best players, I think, without a doubt. Um, especially if you, th- you think about our last season, especially at the beginning, it was Ter Stegen that kept us alive and it was Messi that gave us a chance to dream to win anything. Um, obviously, in the end, we didn't. I think it's only normal that he wants to get paid as he performs, to be honest. Um, but having said that, I think that, you know, if Ter Stegen decided to go for whatever reason and someone came and was, was ready to pay his release clause, then... Basta should just have to negotiate and see how much money we can get out of him. And if he wants to go, he can go. I mean, this is not a player that um, has a contract that is running out just yet. This is a renewal, let's not forget. Neto is doing well on goal. Um, I think that if Ter Stegen was to go, you could get another goalkeeper from, and I haven't even thought about any names, but you could always get a goalkeeper that that is good. Uh, Playing at Barca obviously gives you more exposure. Um, I, I don't for one second think that Ter Stegen is the only goalkeeper in the world that can play for Barca. And, you know, if, 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 if it was down to me, I would do all I can to keep him. But then again, if he really wants to go because he's going to get paid better elsewhere and he's tired of playing for Barca, then you just have to see and look for your options. I think that the unless you're talking about an incredible superstar for the next 15 years, then anyone in the Barca, for example... Ansu Fati in this case, uh, but everyone else in the Barca squad, really, if there's a great, great offer, given the situation and given the fact that there's a new board coming, that we don't know what they want to do with the club, we don't know in which direction they want to go, I think that, you know, you, you just have to consider it. Obviously, I wouldn't want the current board to sell anybody, but I think once the new board comes, if Stegen has got a great, great offer to go elsewhere, then the new board needs to consider it, whether it's worth paying him as much as, you know, not as much as Messi, but being the second in the whole of the squad or actually waiting up and looking for options. Uh, I don't think anyone is indispensable, but obviously players do have their worth. Uh, Ter Stegen is one of our best ones, uh, but, you know, you need to put everything everything into the balance. If players don't come with an offer, then they really should be staying. And if it's a contract renewal, then the, the club needs to... Uh, what I'm trying to say is that the club needs to start and it, this won't happen with the current board, but Barca really need to start looking at the way they do transfers. They need to start looking at the way they release players. They need to start looking at the way that basically this current board has driven the club to not bankruptcy, but a really terrible economical position. And, you know, if you've got a player that is that great, that has a fantastic offer to go as well, then you need to, you need to value that. You need to consider that. I'm not saying we should become a selling club at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I don't think we can be blind to the fact that reality is what it is and we need to do what's better for the club. Yeah, I get your drift. I think that's right, too. If Ter Stegen is asking to be the greatest, best paid goalkeeper in the world, you look at that number and then you do evaluate what that what those weekly wages mean and what that will mean. He's 28 now, so he really is in the prime. This is the time when he, if he's going to ask for the most money, this is the time to do it. And as you've said, he has proven that he is one of the top, top goalkeepers in the world over the last few seasons. So he might actually be worth, at 28, the top paying goalkeeper. But you have to ask how high that line does go. And you're right uh, that Barca have paid a little too much in wages to players that maybe they could have negotiated them down. And you kind of have to a little bit in negotiations call the bluff of these super agents about whether or not the player is actually going to leave. And so when you do draw that line somewhere, if Ter Stegen had left or does leave, then you have to go find a replacement, whether that's trying to back bring back, I think, of IX's Andre Anona or going with Neto until you find a solution even. And, and then you look at uh, you look internally where Victor Valdez, when he came up, you, you 
you know, obviously there were a lot of question marks there. You think the goalkeeper is a position that you have to find out of the club, but Arnaud Tanas is supposed to be a few years away, and he has top, top potential when you look at U19 goalkeepers at the moment. I mean, Barca have one of the top, top U19 goalkeepers in the world. So, hey, young goalkeepers don't get experience if they don't play. And I'm not saying anoint Tanas as the starter if you can't find a number with Ter Stegen, but there will be options, and Barca would be intelligent to look at their options. But as we're talking about Ter Stegen and about whether or not he would be moving, yes, the agent might be demanding he's the highest-paid goalkeeper in the world, but there are also reports that Ter Stegen can be talked not only talked down to certain numbers, but he's taking into account that COVID is going to affect that situation and contract renewals. And, and it's you can't overplay social media, but his social media does indicate that he's a great member of the club who I remember what was it, his second year or third year at the club I heard that uh, so many of the Barcelona players you never really see them out in Barcelona because they kind of just stay at home or they go out together in these small groups and these private cars but Ter Stegen in his like second year at Barca before he really was a superstar and he was splitting time with Claudio Bravo that you could see him on his scooter going around La Ramblas right, right on the main strip so he'd be on his scooter and people would see him and he'd sign autographs and things so that was like his second year at the club and he's only become more of an influential person at the club so I think yeah the club has to do what's best for itself in negotiations as well no matter who it is but I also wouldn't worry too much about Ter Stegen leaving but yeah Barca does have to be smart with the number they finally give him so I actually hope that this one drags on yeah Dan can I just jump in just to say that I don't want to be harsh I don't want to be ungrateful with Ter Stegen that's not what I'm trying to say but I'm just going to give you two names Jordi Alba and Sergio Busquets right Jordi Alba has got an incredibly high contract I don't have the exact number here, but I believe it must be around seven or eight million a, a year. And, uh, you know, there's people saying that he's declining. I think it's quite obvious that he is declining. He's not a sprint chicken anymore. And, you know, I do understand that Ter Stegen is 28 and he's a goalkeeper. I think that's, you know, the timeline for goalkeepers is slightly different. But, you know, if you have Jordi Alba's contract expiring this summer, for example, you wouldn't really be crying too much about it. What, what the problem is with him having another, what, two, three years on his contract, you can't really take him anywhere else. You know, there's no club that will ever pay the wages that he gets at Barca at, given what his output is at this moment in time. Same with Busquets, to be honest. But I think that Busquets is a little bit different because um, he is a Barca captain that plays the Barca way. And also being a midfielder, he's got that, you know, passing the button sort of legacy point that he could be working on. But you know, what Jordi Alba does, there's a lot of players that could actually do, but we won't be able to get any of those because we need to pay him his money, that the money that he has signed, to, and, and this is what it is. I think the board needs to be much, much smarter when negotiating contracts, and as I said before, I don't have any faith in this current board, but luckily they're on their way out, so hopefully whoever gets elected next can actually solve this mess. Yep, yeah, yeah. You pay top dollar for players in their prime, like they did with Alba, but then you're left with what happens when the players start to decline. So that's what happened. That's that's not just Barca who deal with that problem as well. So we're going to pick up the pace a little bit. We got a question from Douglas here. Not going to spend too much time, but Frances, do you think Coleman, I think, the, and I again, I'm going to answer this as a yes before I even throw it to you, but do you think Coleman will change his lineup against Adafe? A lot of players are coming back from international break and the big matches against Juventus and Real Madrid are coming up the following week. Well, yeah, he has to, doesn't he? I yeah. mean, you've got Getafe and Ferenbaros, as I said before, they... In theory, and you know, <laughs> reality does throw theory away a lot of the times. But you know, you're playing in Getafe. It's not the biggest game in the history of the humanity and, and football. Um, you're playing in Madrid, obviously, so that's going to be tricky. But um, Getafe, that should be a win away from home, yeah. and you shouldn't really, if you're going to play as many matches as we hope we're going to play this season, because we'll go deep in the Champions League, etc. Then you need to start rotating. I mean, Kuman didn't do any rotation. Um, before the international break because he wanted his you know, top 14, 15 players to be involved. But I think that people like Pjanic, for example, uh, people like Dembele that we've already spoken about should be really starting um, the, definitely in this match against Getafe and you know, playing at home against Ferencvaros, which all due respect in the Champions League, that should be another easy game or, or game that we should be winning because then you've got, as um, Mundo Deportivo call it, the Tourmalet. You've got this uphill battle because you're going to play Madrid. I mean, Madrid are coming to us on the 24th and then you got Juve. So you're going to Italy after to play with Juventus. Hopefully Cristiano Ronaldo has recovered by then um, because, you know, you don't want you don't want bad for anyone else. So those, those are two difficult matches. Then he goes to Alaves again. 
so the level of difficulty decreases. But I think the next in the next five matches, you've got the first two that should be accessible. So that should be time for rotation, time for Pedri and Trincao to hopefully make the starting eleven as well, etc. But then for the Madrid and Juventus matches, you need to be Kuman needs to be sure who his first eleven are. Um, I don't think he's going to play around with formation, though. I think that he's going to keep that consistent. But he needs to have an idea of who the best ones are by then. And the best ones will be the same ones that played before the break, unless he starts making rotations. And someone like Pjanic, Pedri, Trincao, Dembele should have options to make the start in 11. And they need to be trialed before then. Yeah, I agree with that point, too. I think for Hadafe. This is a game actually screaming out for Martin Brothwaite, actually. I think Messi will still be starting those, unfortunately, even though he just played in Bolivia up at that altitude, and we're still going to expect Messi to play. But yeah, I think Martin Brothwaite, the way Hitafe play, and then Carlos Alenia, I think, would be my two picks for guys that would surprise you. And then, I, as you said, Pianic, I think, is obviously going to start against Hitafe. The question we have from Steven is almost an add-on to this, that based on the current squad, and I'm going to say that I think you and I agree that when we say Coleman's starting 11 that he's been thrown out there so far, we know what he's talking about because he used the same starting 11 and would have used the same three for all three matches, if not for Clement Langley being suspended. So using that starting 11 and based on the current squad, what would be your five subs if we are down and needing a goal this season to earn a draw? And I think the five subs... I, and I don't even say if it's winning or losing, because I think Coleman's been pretty brave here. But to me, I'm looking at the squad, and the five subs that jump out, the ones that he would enter into a game, it seems to be almost set in stone as well, Francis. Do you want me to list mine, just to kind of jog your memory, and then we'll give yours? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they will be very similar, though. Go yeah. ahead. Well, it, it, since Busquets is, at the moment, the starter, then that means Pionic is obviously one of the five, as well as Pedri and Trincao, who have been coming in at the 70th minute. And then with a healthy Alba, I know he's out now, but a healthy Alba and Roberto, those have been the starting outside backs at the moment. So that means Dest is number four on that list, uh, whether or not he's going he's to want to rotate the wing backs is another thing. But yeah, but I would say Dest is number four. And then number five really is a collection of Usmane Dembele, if he get into the good graces, we've yet to see Ricky Puz this season or Carlos Alenia. So I think, I mean, I'm having a hard time with that fifth one because we haven't seen any of the three yet this year because it's basically been four guys coming off the bench so far. So to answer the question, uh, who would be my five? I mean, yeah, I would throw in Ricky Puj in that situation, but it might be a match that's calling out for, for Dembele and his speed as well uh, on, on another wing. So that could be the answer to that. And then Carlos Alenia, I think the only time, I, I can't see him coming off the bench too much. I can see him being a starting a game and starting the occasional Ferran Varos, but not really being a player that's going to come off the bench too often. So I think that would be my five. Again, I, I'm, I'm kind of wishy-washy on the fifth one because we have not seen who Coleman trusts yet. I agree with you. I really agree with you. So the only thing I can add is that I don't think we should look at it in the sense of the five subs. I think we should look at it in the who are the first 16 players in the squad, which technically is the same thing. But people get injured. You know, we people do get banned, obviously, not just yet because the season arguably has just started. But I think having Dembele, Pedri, Trincao, Pjanic, and Dest as the first five coming on, I think that would be natural. But obviously, Jordi Alba is already injured, which, by the way, Jordi Alba is already injured, as in again. Um, you know, it is unfortunate, etc., etc., etc. But it links to my previous point of the long contracts that I was making before. Dest is probably going to be starting the next match, um, you know, instead of Alba. Piani comes on, then Busquets is going to be the sub, etc. So I think having a 16 that is a core in which the, the, the manager can trust and they're all sort of in the rotation, you know, included in the playing time and they're not getting just 10 minutes at the end, I think that's really, really super important. And to have Alanya, Ricky, and I'm going to add Conrad as well, um, right outside that rotation to making 19, that's actually really, really valuable. We're also forgetting that I didn't count that because I was looking at last match and Araujo was in for Langley. So honestly, actually, that fifth one, that fifth sub is Araujo because we've seen that Coleman has put him in almost to make three at the back for defensive stability to hold on to a, a win. So you're actually now counting, yeah, we're counting 19 players. And I think that's actually a good problem to have, to have 19 players that at least us as a fan base do trust. And that just shows you that Barca's depth this year is so much more than it has been for the last two years. Mm -hmm. And also, no one's got injured just yet. I mean, touch wood, no one will. 
But you know, this is football. This is Barca. <laughs> We've got the, the the trainers that we have. Obviously, they're better now that you know Kuman's brought his own staff for that. The medical staff are still the same, pretty much that they were before. So touch wood, no one does get injured. But you know, if uh, <laughs> I don't want to say a bad word in the podcast, but if things start getting worse, let's just call it that. Um, I think we've got a good depth behind to keep moving forward. So hopefully, we won't get to the Champions League semi-finals or quarter-finals. And just having 13 first-team players like we had last year being managed by Setienne, hopefully things are going to be a bit better than them. Yeah. Question from Tom. Is there something more to Puj constantly being left out of the first-team squad? Valverde didn't use him, Setien on occasion, and now Coleman doesn't have plans to play the youngster. Is there something more to this attitude? It's unusual to see such a talented young player constantly forced out and encouraged to go out on loan. Now, I actually disagree with Tom's question a little bit here. Kubo is not featuring right now. Takafuso Kubo is not featuring as much for Unai Emery. And we only ever saw him at Mallorca, even though he's expected to be a star for Real Madrid someday. I think Barca coaches, they have a hard time using Puj because there is still an idea that a skillful player like him with that stature is risky. I know that he's proven otherwise with his intelligent positioning and tenacity and cutting down passing lanes a little bit defensively better than we expected him to. But Barca coaches need, 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 need results to keep their jobs. And maybe there is an idea that he isn't that player to help them get those results. And I, the question I ask, obviously, why is Puj behind Pedri on the depth chart? It's a question to ask, sure. And I hope it's not so cynical as contract obligations for Pedri. But I don't think it's that because I think Pedri could have played for Barca B but impressed enough to stay with the first team. So I, I do throw out that idea a little bit of contract obligation. But it's a lose-lose, honestly. It shouldn't be Puj or Pedri. You'd hope that there's enough minutes due to rotations and the number of games. I mean, you're talking seven matches in 23 days so there should be enough minutes to go around and these are good enough players to feature for Barcelona to help you get a result and rotate and help rest the likes of De Jong I mean he does have to sit sometimes and and Busquets and Pjanic they can still sit at that double pivot so I completely understand that we do value loyalty but if he were to go out on loan and walk into a starting 11 which he would for most teams in La Liga and log 2,500 La Liga minutes this season that might still be best for his Barca career in the future instead of warming the bench at 21. Because even if he's in Komen's plans, he's not starting over Coutinho, De Jong, Pjanic, or Busquets. He's just not going to do that this year. So I want what's best for Puj, but I also want best. I want him to be a, a starter and a player for 10 years for Barcelona. So if that means he has to go out on loan in winter, I know he doesn't want to do that. And I know there's a risk that that is going to ruin him. But sitting on the bench at the age of 21 or 20 at this point, about to be 21, like that might also ruin him. It's so hard to tell with these young players. And Puj is not yet a finished product enough to say he can just be plugged in at FC Barcelona. So yeah, it's a difficult thing to do. But I, I do think that there's enough minutes too to get him some time. What I do think is that the formation doesn't suit him. I think that the 4-2-3-1 is not a formation that it screens for Ricky Puig's skills and greatness because, you know, he is a great player. But I think that because of the hype, and I think that I'm not on Twitter anymore because it's an utter waste of time. But I think that people that constantly get, you know, bombarded with news and, and, and you know, it's like for this need for getting likes and retweets and all this nonsense is just constantly coming and coming and coming. And it thinks that, and it feels like the more people say something, the, the truer it becomes. But that's not the case. I mean, this is a player who is 20 years old that is an interior, is a traditional interior, and Barca are going to play a system that doesn't need any interiores, you know? And, and, and that, is, that is the key problem here for him. Also, there's a new manager that has looked at all the, all the players he's got at his disposal. Um, some players have got more experience. Coutinho has come back in great form from Bayern Munich, not just physical, but mentally. He is a European champion. He's much stronger than he was. He's not as um, shy, really. He's not as little as he was when he came from Liverpool. He's actually, like, he's grown up like 10 years uh, on that year that he went to, 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 to Germany. So he's not going to be starting there, which is the only spot, really, and potentially Ricky Butch could play um, if he's in the attacking four. That's the one behind, Me behind Messi or whoever the striker is. Um, if Coutinho didn't play, then Messi would play in that position. So Ricky is not going to be ahead of Messi. And arguably, if neither one of those two can make it, then it's going to be Griezmann playing in that position. So I think Ricky Puch has got no space in this squad. And if he did have any space in the, not even the starting 11, but the first 16, then that would be the spot that Pedri has been given. And this is a manager's decision. I mean, at Barca, unfortunately, over the last 
two, three years, even four now, um, we've had managers that didn't have much of our personality. We had managers that didn't quite know what to do. We had managers that kept, you know, bending over backwards to whatever Messi and the rest of the dressing room wanted. And now we've got a manager that doesn't do this. We've got a manager that takes decision based on what he sees. And now people are unhappy because they don't like the decision the manager's taken. But arguably, this is a manager who gets paid big bucks to make decisions. Um, I don't think he's influenced by the board as much as people tend to be saying. I think he genuinely thinks that, all right, I've got two youngsters that are very similar. And based on what I've seen, Pedri is going to be ahead, which is why he told Ricky Puig to look for another team um, before the season even started. Then Ricky decided not to go, but he'd already been told he's going to have a very, very small amount of minutes. Um, I do admire his love for Barca. I do admire his perseverance. I mean, it's not the first time in Ricky's career that he does that. He did it before when he was playing for Barca B and it worked out for him. So I understand why he's trying to do that. He's just trying to do, you know, the I'm going to stay and I'm going to earn my spot all over again, which, you know, I do admire him for. But as you mentioned, this season, if he'd gone to, and I'm just saying a name, Betis, for example, he would have played a lot of minutes. He would have come back a much better player and he would have a better chance to succeed at Barca uh, in the long run, which obviously you just said that. But what I'm, what I'm adding to that is the fact that Ricky doesn't have to succeed at Barca. You know, there is a lot of other football teams in which Ricky will be very successful. So if he stayed, I think it's because of his love for the club, which I admire him for. But for himself this season, and it's going to sound probably too controversial or negative or whatever, it would have been better for Ricky Puch to leave Barca this season, not just for his Barca career, but his, his career as a whole. And uh, I, I do wish him all the best, of course. I do wish that nobody in the squad gets injured because you don't want, you know, you don't want ill for your own players. But if someone does get injured, Ricky may get a sniff. And then if he does well, he may get more, more and more and more and more minutes progressively. The other flip of the coin as well, and another point we need to consider, is that if um, another candidate, well, it's going to be another candidate, so if another board comes in sooner rather than later, and that's obviously linked to the Museo de Sansura, the vote of no confidence, then maybe the next board brings a manager that trusts Ricky more. And then yeah. he's already here, he hasn't left, so he gives him in a, lives in a better position. I mean, if, if someone like Victor Fon comes with Xavi, then I think it's quite obvious Xavi will go back to the 4-3-3 and that's probably going to be a way in for Ricky Butch. But there's a lot of ifs in that one and uh, it's a different conundrum. But ultimately, Ricky has decided to stay. I wish him all the best. I don't wish ill to anybody else though. And uh, I do hope that Barca win because ultimately it's not about the players, it's about the club. And if the, the players in the squad can make a very strong collective for us to win together, then so be it. I don't really care who plays. I just want my team to win. Yeah. I mean, Xavi stayed when he was kind of getting pushed out, but also the team was poor, and there were a lot of minutes available for Xavi. Iniesta was a similar way. He could have gone, but he decided to stay because he wanted to fight for his spot. And Iniesta, again, he had less competition at the time. So Busquets, you could say almost the same thing. With He just he was given a chance over Yaya Torre. So, I mean, there's a chance that, and yeah, a new manager comes in and chooses Puj over Pjanic or over Coutinho or who knows. But yeah, I Dan, think... Can I say with that, Iniesta was a sub for six years. That's true. I think, I think people forget that, you know, or people didn't watch it at the time. People were too young to watch it at the time or people forget. Iniesta was a sub for six years. So what we cannot, you know, I know it's a different situation. I know that time has moved forward, but we cannot expect that because you're sending 47 million tweets a day to have Ricky Puch as a starter. That's not going to make the six years any faster. So if it took Iniesta six years to become a Barca starter, Ricky Puch cannot be an automatic starter at 20. And if at 26 he's still there and he's got progressively more and more minutes, then he may come to a point in which he does that. But right now he can't start the same way that Pedri cannot start right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with those points. And I know it sounds like we are being negative on Puj, but I think from what I've seen, I mean, again, going back to his time with Kike Setien, that when Puj is on the field, Barca moves the ball a lot better. But the squad has changed in that time. And Barca at that moment, Kike Setien was desperate for someone just to make some quick passing and to move the ball around. And Puj wound up being the person in that moment. But I really do think there's still such a high, high ceiling and he can, he can succeed at Barcelona, but there is no path forward at the moment we don't know what that's going to look like so yeah being patient on youth 
I mean, I, it's funny because I have two questions coming up to end the show about youth that I'm going to have to handle the brunt of. But yeah, so when we talk about youth, there's no guarantee. There is no promise. The promise of youth does not have to be fulfilled. Even when we talk about Fatih, not, this is not a whole thing. I'm not going to let you jump in here. But yeah, Fatih, we still don't know. He's still just about to be 18 in a few weeks. So we don't know where his career will be. If he's 22 and not at Barcelona and he's playing for a mid-table Premier League team, I mean, these things happen. That's how careers change. And because, and you had a great point about Frances, about uh, social media and everything, that when social, with social media, things change hourly, as opposed to, we'll say, you know, back in our day, <laughs> years and years ago, when things would take months and months to change and the progression of things and, and talent would, would change over time. So speaking of not changing, though, and keeping consistent, we'll talk about Messi real quick here before uh, you have to hear me go off on my, give my Barcelona and La Masia answers. So we have a question from Tobias. Do you think Messi should be rested more this season? In a way, it would prepare us for when he leaves in the summer. But then again, should we not squeeze and enjoy every last drop of him that we will ever have and just watch him till the end? And then, Frances, the little point I'm going to add on the end question for you would be, is Messi still the one player that the manager doesn't really have a choice whether or not he plays the full 90? No. I think the manager has got the choice to choose whatever he wants to choose. I think that that's what the manager is. Um, I think that we've got a manager that will do what's better for the team. And that what's better for the team is Messi playing football. Um, obviously, it's all about forward planning. You know, you've got, like, I'm just looking at it right now. You've got seven matches coming up in the, in the next 23 days, I think it is. And um, Messi shouldn't really play all of them. Um, as you mentioned already in this podcast, he's been traveling all the way to South America, Bolivia, I think it was. And uh, he's coming back. So... Really, he shouldn't really be featuring any of the minutes in Getafe, uh, not because he will be rested and he will be tired and he will be incapable of playing. I think he would be capable of playing, but it's all about administering minutes. I mean, this is not a guy that is 24 years old anymore. He's slightly older. Um, he's getting on a bit, to be honest. Uh, but obviously, he does, he does take care of himself. And he's, a very, he's always been a very clever, physical player in the way that he does his, even though he's little, in the way that he conducts himself. So I think he would be able to play every minute, but obviously that's not what you want. And uh, Barca have fallen at the last hurdle for too many years now. I think it's probably five and counting. So if you want Barca to be successful when it really matters, which is, you know, <laughs> coronavirus is, is changing the schedules, but normally it would be around March, April, May even, then you need to rest Messi early on. And I, I think that because of the depth of the squad that we've already mentioned today as well, you've got, you know, arguably 19, 20 players who could play in the starting 11 at any given point. I think Messi has to be rested. Plus, if you've got Dembele in the need of minutes, you've got Braithwaite in the squad that you've kept him and actually given him the number nine. Um, I still got nine mess over that one. Then we just have to wait and see. Uh, I don't think Kuman will bend over backwards to do something he doesn't want to do, though. And that, that actually instills a lot of confidence in me. Yeah, and I with our last two questions, we are seeing that Coleman is extending his squad. He is willing to give chances to younger players, and it's something that I think a lot of fans have been waiting for for a while, and there's almost an overcorrection that it's saying, who's next now and who's next now after we've seen the next talent? So Pancho does ask a question related to that. Which player do you think is the next to breakthrough for Barca B? We have some good talents in Conrad, Yes Mariba, Callado. Do you see Coleman calling anyone up? And so I do want to almost preface my answer here. I have a, a list for you, but for Pancho and for everybody, the, the answer is that if Conrad De La Fuente is getting appearances on the bench, that obviously means that he is next. He is next. And so there is not even minutes that he has gained yet so far. And as we've been talking about, this is the deepest squad we've seen for some time. And it's also that when you say Coleman calling anyone up, well, really, Fati is still, in theory, getting called up, being 17. And Puj, in theory, is still getting called to the bench at 20. And, and looking at Pedri at 17, technically, he's still getting called up. Trincao is just is still in his early 20s. He's still getting called up. So there are young, young talents getting bled in now. So I would not expect a huge list of names just because we are seeing a younger squad. And it's going. you cannot have too many inexperienced players on the field at one time. So that's what I'll say that Conrad is next. Now, Alice Callado and Oral Busquets. Busquets, real quick, just talk about Oral Busquets. He was at Twente last year in the Eredivisie. He's returned 
Uh, it seems like they weren't able to find a proper loan or a good move for him that was going to support his career. So he actually is heading back down to Barca B to be one of their captains alongside Callado. So I am interested to see what this year is going to look for him because it seems like his career is not going the way he would have liked after he had that devastating injury now two years ago. So those two, Callado and Oriol Busquets, I expect they're going to get some Copa games. You might see Gustavo Mai. We've talked about him before. He's a left winger, but he's also a left winger like Conrad. So for the first team, I think Conrad's going to get those opportunities opportunities and Gustavo Mai coming over from Brazil is just going to get a full season at 19 to get accustomed to living in a new country to playing for Barcelona and playing for the B team just give him some time leave him there and we'll see what happens if de- if defensive midfield wasn't so deep with Puj and Alenia also waiting for minutes I'd also say Barca B another one of the captains Hondra Oriana who is now 20 so now pushing that age where he really should be figuring out what he's going to be doing with his career the next steps he should get a Copa game or two potentially but again that defensive midfield rotation is a tough one to crack the other big names that have been progressing through the ranks are Ies Mariba who's still just 17 Alejandro Balde the very promising 17 year old left back he was also with Juvenal A this year but he's already basically becoming the left back for Barca B so he is promising but he also had a big injury and he's still 17 and then just last week 16 year old attacker Iyasha Komash made his Barca B debut they all have very high ceilings but don't be surprised when they're getting first team training call-ups as in we've seen this a lot with Iyash Mariba he trained a little bit in the preseason and he has been in first team training with them but do not expect to see them anywhere or anyone from this group in an actual match for FC Barcelona this season even Mariba just because, again, there's so many options. But letting these players train with the first team, we get to see their face. Yes, we get to, to know them a little bit. But just be patient with them. That's fine. And then Oscar Mangueta, the other Barca B captain, that's the fourth captain, along with Busquets, Callado, and Oriana, was named to the Champions League squad. But as I've said on him before, he may get called up as a body or a cup game. But the 21-year-old is a veteran for Barca B. That's why he stayed with Barca B. And he's not necessarily a first-team prospect at this point, unless something radically changed with his career. But he's been in La Masia for a long time, and he gets to play at his dream club. So I bet he's enjoying every moment until the day when he has to continue his career elsewhere. I mean, Frances, that's what I would do. If I was at FC Barcelona and they didn't tell me to find a new club, I would just keep working up through the ranks and then when it's time for me to be a first team or somewhere else then eventually I would leave so we finally we did have a question too about Santi Ramos Mingo last week he's been called up to the bench and we saw him in preseason training as well but again I have yet to see him because of paperwork last year moving over from Boca Juniors he's trained with the first team a bunch but all indications are that he's still very very raw uh, also 18 so don't expect him to get a match for the first team this year but again who knows maybe he's the one who gets a Copa del Rey match instead of Mingresa so those are the names to look out for as I said I think expect Conrad De La Fuente to get some Copa time but other than that this team is just so deep we cannot expect any of these other names but with Barca TV and whatever it is I will be giving you updates on these players I watch them so you don't have to but as I said I would not hype them and say they're going to be in the first team there's a timeline for each of these players and sometimes that timeline does not meet the first team but again I will also reiterate that I think this Barca B squad there's the greatest number of players with the highest ceilings that we have seen in, in at least five or six years, where this is a very, very promising Barca B team, but promise doesn't mean anything if they cannot find an opportunity and they don't progress naturally and in a linear fashion. Setbacks happen. But as I said, I, I just want to caution everyone, but also at the same time say that this is a very promising group and it is possible that four or five of these players in four or five years' time are playing for Barca Barca's first team. So that's all I'll add with that. But Pimienta, I trust him and kind of, you know, you almost wash your hands of it. So Frances, I know you don't have too much to add, but I think you probably have some opinion as well to add about the amount of, of talent there is. Uh, uh, Tanas is the last one with the goal, the 19-year-old goalkeeper. I'll add him too. He has a very high ceiling. But I, I guess, Frances, you just want to add about, I, I, I think you always go with the slippery slope of we can't overhype these players. But I actually want to challenge you, Frances, to take the other end of that and does it, is it, does it excite you a little bit to hear that, hey, if I'm patient, that La Masia does have a number of talents coming up through the ranks right now? Yeah, and obviously it's all very encouraging. Um, this is the, the blood of our club, has been for many, many years. Unfortunately, lately, I would say the last five really has dried up quite a bit. We've seen some sprouts lately with obviously with Ricky that we've already discussed and Ansu, that's, that's all very positive. <laughs> I don't know if I'm being too too negative today, but I don't think I. I think you are. I th- that's why I said I challenge you. I put the disclaimers on that don't don't anticipate any of these players into the first team. I've already I've already no, said that. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. I think that if you've mentioned what 12, 
12 players, I would say it is very likely that none of them make it to the first team. And I think that if there was one that would make it, I, I would say Conrad may make a debut. I don't see Conrad staying at Barca for 10 years, though, unfortunately. I know he's American. I know the listeners are from the U.S., but guys, I, I just don't see it. And I would say that out of everyone you've mentioned, I think Ilaj Moriva is probably the one that has got the most chances of getting there, but he's not getting there anytime soon. And, and I'm not going by... I'm going by experience. You know, I've been watching Barca for the last, well, nearly 35, 40 years now. And uh, out of a great crop, normally you've got one. And if it's an incredible crop, you've got two. I mean, the best um, generation for Barca coming through the ranks was the one with the latest one we've seen that was great. It's the one with Messi, Piquet and Cesc Fabregas. But if you think about it, Cesc Fabregas had to go to Arsenal to come back and Piquet had to go to Manchester United to come back. So really... It is very, very unlikely that from any Barca B team ever, there's more than one player coming through. Normally, um, experience tells us it is zero, actually. You know, and, and that is combination of several things. I mean, if we're playing, you know, with all due respect, but if we were playing at the level of Ajax, for example, in which, you know, we've challenged domestically for titles in a league that, with all due respect, is not in the top three uh, of European leagues, then it is likely that we'll be able to make that transition more often and better. But if Barca are challenging for the Champions League every year, you cannot really have a youth player coming through your ranks every year if you're going to challenge at that level. So I think that for someone like Ricky Puig to be in the squad or someone like Ansu Fati, I think he's exceptional, though, to even be in the squad, I think that is remarkable. And, uh, yeah, I'm sorry that I have, to, <laughs> I have to speak my mind. This is the podcast. This is why I'm here. I just don't think more than one player of the ones you mentioned will ever make it, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it might be true, but as I always say to, to the fans, too, if you want to get and excited Dan, about... Can I, can, sorry, can I, can I just keep going? <laughs> yeah, I go. interrupt you very quickly. Okay. Sorry. Uh, it's just, I saw something in the group this week, in the um, tbpod.link forward slash group this week, and uh, I can't remember who it was. I'm really sorry. They posted like a tree that had different branches. Uh, I think it was published in 2010, and it was how La Masia runs deeper, you know? So you had uh, who would replace Dani Alves, who would replace Avidal, who would replace Pedro, David Villa, etc. And uh, I can't remember who said the comments. I'm really sorry. But there were people saying that it was predicted really badly at the time, but I actually thought it was predicted really well. Yeah, you said uh, Gerard Delefeu. I mean, there were, yeah, the names that they were there were realistic at the time. Yeah. Yeah, so you had someone like Deolufeo, he's a professional player. You had Grimaldo, he's yep. a professional. And there were, I can't remember who, who the other ones were, but th- th- there was La Masia had you know, these positions sort of covered and they eventually could make the first team. I think out of all of them, and there was around 20, I didn't count them, but it must have been around 20, only Sergio Roberto actually made the first team. All the others are either unknowns to the vast majority of the public or they made a professional debut but in a lesser team uh, and I think that's pretty good for any academy in the world to out of 20 players to have one coming through the ranks especially at Barca level so I don't know if I, I don't know what it is but I think that I've got a different maybe because of experience maybe because I grew up in Barcelona maybe because my brother played um, you know in the Barca youth system himself I think that out of 20 players coming through the ranks, to have one making the Barca first team, which let's not forget, challenges for the Champions League every year, and you're playing with players at you know, Messi's level or even, I don't know, Busquets, etc., it's actually really, really good for an academy. So I think the, the, the level of expectations of everyone coming through La Masia has got a magic wand stuck up the bum needs to change. You know, it is what happened with Puyol, with Messi, with Xavi, with Busquets, even Pedrito. And, and, you know, it is exceptional. This is not going to happen again, you know, and it happened at the time. It was magical, but it's not going to happen every year. And what we need to do, and we need to lower expectations in this respect from La Masia, because otherwise it's going to be constant disappointment for years, for years, you know, 20 years from, from today. La Masia is a fantastic academy, but it's not the only academy in the world. If we can produce players that are valid for Barca first team, that is not a given, that is exceptional. So... I just wanted to share that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with you, but I also say that hope is a thing with feathers. And listen, if you can accept that reality, but also have a little bit of hope, 
in in the youth and have a little hope that Barca does have its own answers, then so be it. I'm not going to tell people the way to think or the way to live their lives. So, I mean, that's what I do. I look at these players and then you continue to track them in professional careers because I do look at it more where we talk about Sergio Roberto, the only one long term, but the group that he was in where Rafinha wound up winning and Mark Bartra, they wound up winning champion a Champions League in 2015 with Barca as squad players. So just because these might not be future superstars even, you could see, again, we don't think of Rafinha and and Bartra and that class as as players that were with the, or Montoya as well. They were there was a group of players that were all 21, 22 that got some minutes. They didn't long term work out at Barcelona, but they supplemented the first team. And so if there are, I think the number can be bigger. They don't have to be a Barca legend just to be featured at some point on their footballing journey in the first team. So anyway, uh, the final question here, it's pretty much for me along the same lines. Simon asks, are there any real strikers in La Masia who could play a role in the team in the future. So unfortunately, Frances left us on a down note, and I'm going to continue our downward spiral uh, here. Joaquin Ceballos, the 23-year-old striker signed from Real Zaragoza on loan, was brought in as the strike option for Barca B this year. So he is not a long-term option at all. Don't expect him to even in a Copa del Rey match. Ray Minaj, who was brought in uh, as basically a quick fix signing last year from a lower division. He's unwanted. They didn't even, they weren't even able to move him in the uh, the summer window. So he's still sticking around, but he's unwanted. 18-year-old Gerard Peque Fernandez, not really a natural striker. He's also, again, 18. Same with Hiroki Abe, who plays a false nine last year, but is much more comfortable coming up the wing. So in the near future, the answer is no. You will not see any strikers from La Masia come up to the first team. I know I mentioned a lot of other positions, but yeah, I think striker and basically winger again with Conrad De La Fuente uh, being the next in line. Forget about those positions being facilitated by La Masia because Ansu Fati really is actually the answer here. Is there a potential La Masia player who could be a striker for Barca in the near future? And Fati is the answer to that. And after him, one to put in your brain and check on in like, again, three or four years. So listen to me as I update you every once in a while and don't worry about watching yourself. 16-year-old uh, Fabian Lucy, who just came over from Rio Vallecano this summer, mm-hmm. is probably the most promising striker in the entire Spanish youth system. But then again... Again, the Debbie Downer version is Abba Ruiz was also the most promising striker in the Spanish youth system for multiple seasons. And Abba Ruiz still just 20 years old, but also no longer at FC Barcelona. So as always, be patient. Don't worry about it. Enjoy Fati. Enjoy Messi. Enjoy the players. Pedri, Puz, there is so much promising youth to enjoy with the first team at the moment. So let's take all that in. And with the upcoming seven matches in 23 days, we are going to have to see what they have. We have to see what the young players have because they're going to have to prove it here as we've got a difficult stretch ahead. So, Frances, you were negative for quite some time. And I have the final question for you from me is, can you leave us on a positive note? Yes. Uh, we've got a manager that knows exactly what he's doing. You can agree that he may be doing it the wrong way. You can agree that he's not supported by a board that would help him. But I do trust that he's got an idea. Um, it's not a traditional boss idea that I would have probably done myself. But what he's done so far is trying to maximize the potential of a lot of players. I think that he's getting a much better version of Busquets that we have seen probably in the last three years, to be honest. I think that Coutinho coming back and playing the way he is, is to me a surprise and credit to himself and the manager for getting that out. Um, I do like the fact that Barca play with the four, it's not total freedom, but you know, two freer strikers arguably because it's 3-1, isn't it? So you could say they're all strikers or forwards at least. And uh, I do think that that is a positive as well. Barca are much more solid at the back. I think having a double pivot based on the players that we've got is the best solution for this team. Um, I like the fact that Serginho Des has been signed. So we finally have a backup of someone who can actually be, you know, a Barca solution for the fullback for the next 10 years. And I'm not, please note that I said fullback, not right back or left back because we can actually do both. So that's all positive as well. Um, and yeah, I think that Neto is doing well on goal. I don't think he's been challenged too much, to be honest, but I think that. You know, he was um, basically uh, didn't feature at all over the last year. And now that he's got his chance, he's doing well. So so that is good. Um, and yeah, Ansu Fati has been starting. He's been impressive. I think that Dembele is fit. That's always going to be a positive. He needs to prove himself. So there's a lot of positives to to celebrate at this moment in time. It's just that the questions that came, <laughs> I, couldn't be more, I couldn't be positive about those because, you know, our listeners are very, very clever and they always ask the best questions. 
and we just have to give the answers. And if, if it's a negative one, that's that's what we have to do. That's that's our job. That's why we got the podcast. Yeah, well, you talked about the potential of this squad. So I think we reached the potential of what we could give you today as listeners. So we want to thank you for tuning in again. You can tap in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe. You can find us on social media. We're on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at Hilton D13 for me on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. That closed Facebook group where we got our questions for La Ronda, tbpod.link backslash group. Make sure you answer the questions, then you get into the group. It's as easy as that, but you have to answer the questions. And then you can also help us out on Patreon. We want to thank also the new patrons that we received this week. Thank you so much to them to continue making these shows at tbpod.link backslash Patreon and YouTube. You know, there's a lot of content coming out. I took a little bit of a break this week, but there's a lot of content coming out in the next week and a half as we prepare for, well, there are two matches, but then we also are preparing for El Clasico and Juventus in the Champions League. So make sure you check us out over on YouTube. Hit that subscription button there as well. And thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon before it's the Barca. Barca. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.